This podcast is part of the No Phony Podcast Network, the home of independent awesomeness. Were there more excellent television shows in the 1980s than viewers could watch? Adjust your rabbit ears and let's find out. Once again, it's time for the idiots. An objective defense of the 80s. From a couple of idiots. Welcome back to another episode of The Idiots, an objective defense of 1980s pop culture from a couple of idiots. My name is Will, and joining me as always is my friend and my co-host, Ray. Hola, mi amigo. You just try and surprise me now with whatever you're going to say. And that's fine. I like it. Hey, today we're going to be talking about some canceled shows from the 1980s. There are a lot. Yeah, there are. And we'll talk about why, and the reasons why are kind of obvious. Uh, but before we uh, talk about all that, let's talk about 80s news. As always, we've got so many bits of 80s news we can choose from, but we have just a limited time to discuss them. So let's talk about a few. Uh, this just came out just a couple of hours ago. Uh, hours ago. Rose Byrne, you remember the actress? She's in a lot of things, including uh, Bridesmaids um, and so many things. She's in the first X-Men first class and a lot of other things hmm. that are escaping me at the moment. But she's going to star in in, in uh, an Apple. Well, you know, Apple's producing its own films now. I, I, I've heard rumors. Yeah. So she's going to star in something set in 1980s called Physical. Oh, she's going to do some dancing and leg warmers? Yeah, and it headbands. seems so. Yeah. So, um, yeah. She finds it. Here, here's a quote from uh, the article in Deadline. It says that... Um, Follows a woman struggling in her life as a quietly tortured housewife who finds an unconventional path to power through an unlikely source, colon, the world of aerobics. Hmm. The unlikely source wasn't her colon. I realize now, <laughs> as I said that, that could have been confusing wow. if you're not reading it here. But yes, I mean, come on. As soon as you hear physical, you know, images of Olivia Newton-John. Yeah, or, yeah. The, the second anyone says, let's get physical, yeah. that's all you think of is Olivia Newton-John. Hmm. I'm glad that's what you think of, and not like it was an invitation necessarily. Well, hey, what? <laughs> let's get physical. You start undressing. No, you start exercising. Yes, that's right, kids. I don't know. What are you doing over there, Will? I don't know. It's late. It's late. <laughs> it's, it's late. I realized recording late in the day <laughs> might have been a problem. Just so everyone knows, it's like uh, 7 o'clock here, and yeah, uh, this, I could even, oh, that's, Will's eyes are half closed. He's yeah. got his pajamas on. So there's that. He's got, got that, that going for us. He's got that big weird hat on like they yep. used to wear. <laughs> uh, um, let's see. I can remember from the poem, that Christmas poem, it's, uh, Mama and her kerchief and I and my cap. The only one that comes to mind is like Dick Van Dyke. Dick Van Dyke? Yeah, like the big pajama Did he wear one in a... uh, You know, my memory is selective. Oh, you feel like the TV show? Yeah. Oh, huh. I, don't, I can't picture that. But I wasn't such a big fan as you were, having grown <laughs> up in the 1950s or whatever. It was. You should have an appreciation for all decades. That's well, that's true. how we stay objective. I agree, 100%. Okay, hey, in other 80s news, we talked about this last week, but now we've got our first trailer for Spike Jones's Beastie Boys documentary. Yay! Uh, which is called Beastie Boys Story, which is kind of like a play on uh, the book, mm-hmm. uh, Beastie Boys book. You know, so it's very matter of fact. What I didn't know, and after watching the trailer, which is only about 35 seconds long, and everybody should watch it, what I didn't know is that it was... 
uh, what the documentary is in part is they filmed a live show that the that the remaining Beastie Boys, uh, Adam Horowitz and, and Mike Diamond did in Brooklyn, um, I think just a year or two ago. Spike Jones filmed their performance where they discuss their, you know, the Beastie Boys coming up. Um, I think starting back with the young Aborigines, Mike D's, you know, fresh slash punk band uh, up through today. I wish I knew they did that show. <laughs> Yeah, the the, uh, the trailer for this thing was awesome. It's super exciting because, once again, I didn't know it was coming. I stumbled on it and saw it, and I was super excited when I saw it because yeah. it looks really good. Yeah. And there was only a tiny little fraction of what it's going to be. Yes. Yep. I, I, yeah. I got excited from the first moment because they have that, you know, you've never heard them saying that version of Paul Revere. Yeah. Where they're just sitting like on a couch together. <laughs> yeah. It's, if you remember back in... Uh, I guess in, during that, that era, you know, time to get ill, it seems like they filmed a lot of themselves, you know, backstage and some of it made into videos. I think there was a, a short documentary of maybe the concert at some point is coming to mind. I don't know if it was on an MTV or bootleg videotape that made around, you know, the neighborhood or something like that. But um, in any case, that's probably what that's from since they were, you know, filming everything. Yeah, I've been on a Beastie Boys binge this week because of the uh, trailer. So Oh, yeah. So I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah. And so now for me, the decision is, you know, whether, how to see it, because you can either uh, go and see it in the movie theater on uh, certain IMAX theaters. We'll have it on April 3rd, or you can pay for Apple TV plus and on April 24th, you can watch it there. I'm thinking almost if I'm not going to watch anything else on Apple TV plus, I'll just go see it in the movie theater, probably for the same price of one month thing and just be done with it. Yeah. And seeing it on a big screen might be really cool. Yeah. Yes. I imagine they've got some, you know, concert footage and other... Th- well, yeah, it might seem more live, too, because if you look yeah. at the... Uh, there's an image that uh, Mike D shared, and maybe it's in that video, too. Yeah, it is in that video, where you see them, you know, Mike D, Mike and Adam, on stage. So it might seem more live seeing yeah. on an IMAX. Probably mm-hmm. why they did it that way. That'll be cool. Anyway, check out that trailer. It's really super cool. And uh, final thing in 80s news is Universal and Blumhouse are developing a new version of The Thing. <laughs> Why are you laughing? This is ridiculous. Oh, okay. You're laughing at their idea. Yeah. So, Why are you going to go after Carpenter? Yeah. Well, yes. You're and, not going to beat him. Right. And, and so um, f- folks know that I guess how they're trying to approach this is differently and maybe get the fans involved and forgive them for the one that they made, you know, in the earlier 2000s or the mid 2000s. Uh, that pre quote unquote prequel is that they're going back to the source material, uh, the movie, the thing and the original movie, the thing, even going back before Carpenter's version um, is called, was a, was a novella named who goes there. And recently, just a few years ago, it was discovered that there were something like 45 pages of this novella that were never published. Um, so it expands the story and according to the producers in, in more dramatic and interesting ways. And so they're going to produce their quote remake of the thing based on this fuller, recently discovered version of that novel. Yes, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and say they fail miserably. <laughs> this movie's going to lose money, and everybody's going to go stream uh, Carpenter's <laughs> thing again. It is hard to beat. Yeah, I don't know. They, they, they can't beat it. And what could it be that would make it so much better? I mean, this guy says, so, so, they're called, so the manuscript for Who Goes There is called Frozen Hell, and he says Frozen Hell expands the thing, story dramatically giving vital backstory and context to an already incredible tale. It, it's already incredible, yeah. Yeah, and, and what backstory are you giving? 
Are yeah. we are we actually gonna like watch the ice melt longer? <laughs> are we are we gonna go like uh, to these characters? Are we gonna do flashbacks like Lost? Yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking. Kurt Russell's uh, living with his family back yeah. in wherever it is, Virginia or something yeah. like that. I, I think somebody's got a really bad idea, mm-hmm. and somebody gave him money who was like, I don't know what they're doing. They're smoking crack. I don't know what they're doing. You know, this is it's gonna be it's, it's gonna be a ways off, you know, before we, we see it. But um, the the sad part about this is is yeah. that I wish I was wrong, but I'm hundred percent I'm not wrong. Oh, that's gonna be bad. Yeah, this is gonna be bad. Well, they'll probably screw up the special effects, like CG. the recent one. Yep. You know, they use all computers instead mm-hmm. of that. You know, Stan Winston, I think, did the probably did the real effects back in the eighties. But also, I'm wondering, and you know, it's too far in the future for us to probably even make a note to keep track of this. But will they end it by making it clear who the who the bad guy is? You know, the thing is, and then killing the thing. If you, I mean, the original ends in that very uh, open ended. You don't know who who may or may not be the thing at the end. I mean, there's some speculation as to. Maybe some clues in there. You know what? I don't even care. I feel like they'll just... Well, it doesn't affect our thing. Because you know what? I won't even see it. Yeah. I won't even watch this movie because I already know which one's better. Yeah. And it's not... You know, it reminds me like when Ghostbusters, the, the 2016 one came out, the one you love. Yeah. You know, the, with uh, the all-female cast that you yeah, keep yeah. talking that, about that, how yeah, great it is. Oh, that, uh, my Spanish uh, intro I did today. Yeah. I will describe that movie right now. Porcaria. <laughs> All right, folks, you can Google that and mm-hmm. understand what that means. You know, I thought you were going to use a stronger word in Spanish, but that's fine. That's mm-hmm. good. Um, uh, but this is a family show. That that means he loves it. That means it's, he thinks it's fantastic. But it reminds me how upset people were, like, you screwed up my childhood. But for me, it was like, there's the one and there's the other. Yeah, I didn't think I screwed up my childhood. I just yeah. thought it was a, a bad reboot. Yeah. They didn't stay true to the original character, so it was, it was a bad reboot. And a new, but an, and a new movie can't somehow incept you and ruin your feelings about an old no. movie. I don't no, it, it didn't harm my childhood. Yeah. It just was a bad remake. I thought it was weird. People got so upset as if it could, you know, somehow. Go I could and... do an entire episode about what's wrong with that movie. Okay. So, so we won't. We but won't. but we are going to do an episode coming up where we talk about reboots. Yes. And what were success? Maybe successful ones versus absolute yes. failures. Yeah. And that episode, I think, will be a lot of fun. So, yeah. Stay tuned, uh, boys and girls. But for now, we'll continue with this episode and we'll say that was 80s news. Dun, 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 dun. Ack. Yeah, when are you going to put that lack thing in? You you said the ack was not what you wanted for the 80s news. Yeah, because you faked it that time. I wanted. I wanted you to do redo the. Yeah, you, just, you wanted. You make bleh. a sound. Yes, that's what you wanted. So you, you're doing it purposely while I'm talking, so mm-hmm. I can't isolate. Right. If I had more sophisticated, I'm, I'm going to just watch as you close the mic. If I had, if I only had, we got to get some more money invested in the show. <laughs> have a device where we could record everything on very separate tracks. Then I'd have it isolated. Yep, but, but unfortunately, it's never been isolated yet. No, our show remains sounding incredibly professional with. Things being on both on the same track for the most part. Mm-hmm. I'll get it. Now this is just going to be like you know Moby Dick or you know I don't know you know th- that sound mm-hmm. is going to be my white whale. It's going to be trying to capture it. So today we're talking about shows that were canceled in the nineteen eighties. That too soon, too soon. Shows we wish hung around a little bit longer. Watching TV wasn't a new phenomenon in the nineteen eighties. It began in the nineteen fifties, and TVs were more expensive then. Not everybody had one, and by the nineteen eighties, seemed like everybody more or less could have at least one TV even though most often they were small, and sometimes even still black and white. Oh, yeah. So everybody had a TV, more or less. And I did learn that um, folks didn't necessarily go to the movies 
regularly in the 1980s, but they watched TV. Oh, yeah. That was when cable first you know, exploded. So movies were huge in the 80s on cable. Right. Yeah. And before that, though, um, you know, the era that we're going to touch on is a little bit before that. And for the most part, these shows, early 80s. So cable hadn't reached everywhere yet. Um, I, I know it had to reach where I was in, the, in, in a city. They didn't even have it yet which was always surprising me. But anyway, we had three major networks. Mm-hmm. Right, you got your CBS, your ABC, and your NBC. Your NBC, yes. Yes, your NBC. You, you got them all. Right, and um, as folks know, as is true today for the most part, right, we had the television seasons, which began again with early television, which pretty much tracks the school year. And to figure out if a show um, was successful or not, folks have probably heard of the Nielsen ratings, which is a system where, you know, um, I think in some homes they actually had monitoring, you know, where they could check out what you watched. That came later. And then earlier on, I think that survey books were actually fill out what yeah, you Yeah, you watched. had to actually write down what you were yeah. watching. So people could totally fake it right. because they thought, oh, this will make me look smart if I write this. <laughs> I'm constantly watching PBS. Right. And not trying to figure out when you get that scrambled channel that you're not supposed to have access to and you're just trying oh, to figure yeah. out what it is. Yeah, like you're going to write down, watch Cinemax for three <laughs> hours on Scramble. Yeah, no, no, no. Masterpiece Theater. Yes. Which could also be a show on Cinemax. That's probably spelled differently. Mm, Probably. It's late. The humor is not as good at at night, late at night. Once again, it's like Mm -hmm. 7 o'clock here. Yeah. What's wrong with you? What's what's going on over there? Were you up late last night? No, I didn't sleep well two nights in a row now. I think that's Uh, that's probably part of it. In any case. Did you not get a full five hours last night? <laughs> is that what you work on? You do work on five. <laughs> I'd be surprised if you sleep five hours. You seem like you're texting and posting stuff yeah. to the wee hours. I do. Uh, and I know you get up really early for your job. So, mm-hmm. hmm. For your job as a podcaster. Yes, yes. My professional <laughs> podcasting job. Yes. Right, right, right. So, again, just some of these basics just to lead up to, you know, I don't need to do this. Why am I doing this? Anyway, so. What are you doing over there? In movies, you can measure box office to see how successful something is. It makes its money. Or I heard recently movies got to make double back in order to be considered a success. So there's an easy way to measure that. People go if they like it, they pay money. They you know, and then they can see if a movie's good. Warrants a sequel. TV. We rely on these Nelson Nielsen ratings. Again, people could lie, etc., etc., whatever. In any case, those ratings are then to determine how much they could charge advertisers. Right. The more money they can make, the you know, so if a show's popular, it makes more money. It stays on the air. The opposite is true also, obviously, if it's not so good. So getting into the particulars, I thought this was interesting. So in in 1980, do you know, do you recall which television network of the top, or the three, the only three, was number one dominating? So 1980. 1980. I'm going to go with, I'm going to say CBS. Yes. Excellent. And so, and, and back then, Nielsen would report its top 13 shows. Mm-hmm. CBS had 12 of them. No kidding. Do you remember, or recall, or could guess, which network had zero shows in the top 13? Ooh, I'm going to go ABC. I would have guessed that too, but no NBC. Wow, they really struggled back then. Yeah, yeah, so they, yes. And that's a whole other episode, probably, how they went from having nothing in the top, you know, 10 uh, to being dominating with must-see TV by the end of the decade. Uh, in any case, uh, among the many shows that CBS had on, 60 Minutes, number one. Mm-hmm. Three's Company, that's incredible. Uh, that's incredible as an ABC show. Three's Company is an ABC show. Uh, MASH, Alice, Dallas, and other rhyming shows. Mm, nice. Uh, now, Dallas will come up a few times when we're talking because it was a monster. 
Yeah, yeah, Dallas was uh, a different kind of monster right there. Yeah, and and so much so that, you know, the other networks started chasing after it with your Falcon Crest and your Dynasty and similar late-night soap opera-type shows. Yeah, that's all pop culture, though. One thing becomes popular, and then everybody else just piles on. In any case, so you know, I, I got it. We've talked about this before. You never learn so much about what you say that you don't over and over again that you don't <laughs> like that you say until you're on a podcast. I say, in any case, like five or six times an episode, way too many. I edit some of them out. It's so many. Mm. In any case, <laughs> I didn't do that to be funny either. So, so, so ratings is a factor in, in what what uh, gets on the air or not. Another thing that happened in the 1980s is we had. Uh, two big groups, the Moral Majority and the Coalition for Better Television, that would boycott or threaten to boycott shows that they deemed too racy or, you know, anti-family or Mm anti-Christian values. Um, And a number of TV shows were were canceled as a result of these, um, again, boycotts or threatened boycotts in the 1980-81 season, including Charlie's Angels. I don't remember that being canceled as a result of a boycott. Well, um, a lot of people are dumb, yep. and they make dumb decisions and get things canceled for dumb reasons. And Charlie's Angels is one of those shows that suffered from that. Yeah, it's a it's a good show. Yeah, uh, I tried to find a list of you know the shows they were boycotting. I, that was I couldn't find it. If anybody... uh, they're boycotting all of them. <laughs> anything anything you liked or was interesting? Yeah. I mean, you everyone listening, correct? If it was interesting. You know, they want you to go read a book, <laughs> the Bible. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they want you to read the book. <laughs> yes. And nothing else. And Hey, you could read the Bible, but have some other things in life too. That would be cool too. Um, so as a result of these boycotts and Charlie's angels and these shows getting kicked out, other shows were downplaying sex and instead emphasizing crime and high adventure and comedy, mm-hmm. uh, which leads us to some of the shows that we love that were canceled too soon. Okay, so I've got a clip here for you. I'm going to play to okay. talk about this first show. See if you recognize this. This comes from the intro of this show from, uh, let's see, I know when it, uh, this, it first aired in October of 1982. We travel through time to help history along. Give it a push where it's needed. When the army's red, it means history's wrong. Our job is to get everything back on track. Huh. I have no, no idea what this is. Okay. I was probably watching Charlie's Angels instead. <laughs> <laughs> In reruns because it was off the air by then. <laughs> this is from Voyagers uh, with an exclamation point. And there were a few shows in the 80s that had exclamation points in it, but this was one. Voyagers! Well, that's a cool way to, you know, write things. Yeah. Um, so this was a, st- a show that followed Phineas Bogg as a time traveler known as a Voyager who, with the help of a young lad named, unfortunately named Jeffrey Jones, because hmm. remember the actor Jeffrey Jones, who was popular in the 80s, turned out to be a pedophile or, or uh, something like that? I don't remember that. You don't? Because uh, you, you, you block out anything negative. <laughs> this is going to be a bummer of a show for you, for this particular one. Uh, in any case, they had a handheld device that looked like a watch, like a big giant pocket watch, but it was called the Omni, and it, it would... Uh, lead them to travel different places in time where time had something broken in it. We've seen other shows like this. Um, yeah, I think the, there was a show in the 90s or something. Quantum like, Leap? Yeah. Oh, no, not Quantum Leap. Uh, the newspaper one. Oh, yeah. They ripped this off completely from this. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I think it's it's probably, you know, it had been a premise uh, for longer than that even. But I don't think um, so. <laughs> 
Uh, so Phineas Bogg, in, in any case, uh, he's more interested in women. You know, he goes all Captain Kirk whenever he meets a, a lady. <laughs> Doesn't really know much about history, it seems. Not as much as the kid who travels with him, um, whose father was a history professor, So, and, he's a, and his kid's a reader, so he knows a lot. He's able to help, you know, figure get things back going, you know. I think it's the pilot episode where they help the Wright brothers, you know, get the first uh, oh, plane yeah. off the ground kind of thing. <laughs> <you know? laughs> Ed Begley Jr. plays one of the Wright brothers, I believe. Um, uh, oh, that's amazing. And I do remember this from the show, that at the end of every episode, um, so so the cast was um, an actor named John Eric Hexham, who mm-hmm. I don't recall from anything else, but we'll, I'll, we'll talk about him in just another moment. And then playing the, the boy was uh, an actor named, and I hope I get this right, this is going to be a show where I mispronounce uh, a lot of names. By it's the your way. turn. I, know, I, was, I was trying to figure out a way that I could point to you when you try to read the name. Anyway, his name, as far as I know, is Mino Palouse or Paluche. Okay. In any case, he plays the unfortunately named Jeffrey Jones. Mm-hmm. And he, I remember seeing him. He was in, do you remember they did a Bad News Bears TV show with Jack Warden? It was like in 79 or so. It wasn't in the 80s, but it was close. Okay. In any case, they made, a, they made, the, they made the movie into a TV show and he played um, the kid that had a was, was hot tempered um, Tyler or Tanner. Tanner, Tanner Boyle. Yeah. yeah. He, he plays Tanner in the TV show. Yeah. A lot of my friends think I, I'm You're Tanner. Like Tanner. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, probably when you were a kid, the pictures probably had that same long hair style. I'll have to show you my baseball <laughs> I'll cards. I'll with the baseball hat yeah. That would be great. In any case, uh, there you go. See, I'm saying it again. Jeez, I need another... I don't want a catchphrase like that. That's terrible. Catchphrases are cool, man. In any case, it's got to be the worst catchphrase. No, but you also it's have no, crowbar. Oh, it's no yippee-ki-yay. <laughs> uh, so the, the uh, kid at the end of every episode would say... at the You just hear a voiceover. He would say, if you want to learn more about, you know, whatever they you know, the Wright brothers, whatever they did in the episode, take a voyage down to your public library. It's all huh. in books. You know what? The, they wouldn't have got canceled if they would have went with, uh, I think we have proven <laughs> beyond a shadow oh, of a doubt. Speaking of catchphrases, yeah. See, yeah. none of my catchphrases are on a t-shirt. But <laughs> um, so the show ran, as I mentioned, first aired in October of 1982, and it ran for uh, 20 episodes. And, um, it had an average rating of a 7.7 share, which my understanding is that the percentage of people that were watching television at the time. So seven, roughly 8% of the people who were actually watching shows were watching this show. That doesn't sound very good. It doesn't, but when you think, I guess, how many choices they have, you know. Three? Three choices? <laughs> yes, three networks. <laughs> so 8% you're, oh, right. of three? You're right. You, that is not good. You're right. You got to think it's got to be at least 30. <laughs> 33 to <and> a third <laughs> and up is, is what you're shooting for. <laughs> so yeah, that's really bad. I never thought of it that way. You know, what's interesting to me is that I think now like a 7.7% would be like, great. You'd be killing it You'd right be killing now. it, yeah. Because there's I, like 8,000 channels. Yes. And there's shows that I know that have been on the air that survived that have less than that. Yeah. Um, some shows I like. Other shows get, you know, way more, they double or triple that, you know, like a Bachelor or something like that. Um, but this show had a seven sheer, and it was, it was popular, and it was suspected it would be renewed. But at the time, there was a contra, it, it aired against 60 Minutes. Is that right? Yes, it aired against 60 Minutes. And um, there was a controversy with 60 Minutes that led to questions as to whether or not that show would survive. 60 Minutes? Yeah. They had, Something similar happened with like uh, Dateline, I think, where 60 Minutes did a show on Audis where the story was that they were accelerating on their own and killing people. Huh. And there were six people who filed a lawsuit. It turns out that, it's, it, that the one person faked it. Oh, and nice. I think the other people lied. Um, they couldn't prove that uh, there was any defect. 
Um, but they ran with the story, so they get they got sued by Audi for defamation. Audi apparently suffered for years as a result of this story. Oh, I've never bought one. <laughs> because of that. Like, I don't want that killing me or my friends. <laughs> so they, they thought, here's our chance. We can take over 60 minutes, you know. So what NBC did was... Um, We'll put a show opposite 60 Minutes. So they canceled the 7.7, you know, rated uh, Voyagers and put up a show called The Monitor, which is a news program like 60 Minutes, only, mm. only with, like, really bad no- news stories. I they all seem pretty, you know, uh, uninteresting, I guess. That show only gets a 7% share <laughs> and gets canceled in a year, too. Yeah, there you go. So they blew it. This show, I'm going to say this name because you're going to hear it again, was produced by James, here's another name, James Parriott, I'm going to say. And this show, our episode winds up being not only about canceled shows, but it turns out a lot of these cool shows that we loved in the 80s were like made by like two people or three people had all these like interesting ideas. Well, unfortunately, they should have executed those ideas better then. Yeah, something. Yeah, something. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know what it was. So yeah. I, was, I, know. I have two shows that were canceled in the 80s that I really loved. Okay. I'm, I'm holding back until you oh. announce them. Oh, okay. Well, they're probably not going to be on here. I bet they are. <laughs> All right, we'll see. Uh, in any case, so in any case, James Parriott, j- just to prove my point, he was a writer and sometimes a producer on shows like Bionic Man, Bionic Woman, Incredible Hulk, before oh, we even get to the 80s. Those are all good shows. Those are all good shows, too. So here's the, here's the bummer part that you don't, you know, usually, you, when you tell these stories, you leave these things out. Yeah. <laughs> are you sure you want to tell the bummer part? Yes, I do. Oh, my God. That's not how we do things. Unfortunately, after the show was canceled the actor the main you know the, the, that played phineas bogg john eric hexham he went on to do some other things including a show in 1984 that was produced by glenn larson another name that's going to come up he's one of the two guys that i'm talking about he started working on this new show cover up um and um it, it, during the show cover up they were filming the, it, the show was a photographer a woman pretending to be a photographer was uh, traveling with a, a man who was a secret agent posing as a model, and they would, you know, stop crime around the world. <laughs> I'm going to get that sound out of you. Oh, yeah. I'm pausing now every time you give me a look. So, yeah, the premise isn't great. Um, and what's super unfortunate is during the seventh episode, when they were filming the seventh episode, during some downtime, he had been given a gun for a, a scene that they were going to shoot. I'm, oh, I'm no. going through with it. And it had blanks in it, of course, but um, they were, everybody was bored. So for fun, quote-unquote fun, he took out all but one blank. Didn't understand that the guns are dangerous even with blanks. Started playing Russian roulette. Shot himself in the temple when it went off. And although it didn't uh, break his skin, the explosion, the concussion of it did damage his skull, which, you know, caused... I won't go too far into it. In any case, unfortunately, he ultimately was uh, brain dead and... Uh, <laughs> All right, I'm, now I'm, I'm taking it too far. Okay, <laughs> this isn't a video show, you know. <laughs> Are you going to throw up? Is that what's happening? You're getting sick. I can't believe you're laughing. <laughs> oh, that's why <laughs> you're holding yourself back from laughing. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm so, sitting here staring at you in disbelief. Yeah, aghast. Yes. Ah, so, I am very disappointed in this story. It is. It is. It is sad. He did have a. Um, you know, he's even had a bright future. You know, look, it was an '80s premise type show, but other than that, he was uh, had some shows under his belt and seemed to have some future. And unfortunately, that's what happened. So, and I want to mention that Andrew Gerber on our Facebook page um, had mentioned that uh, Voyagers was one of the shows that he wished had stayed with had, us a little had bit. Never longer. gone away. Yeah, 
Well. All right, here's another show. So this show is, um, we talked about it, so we don't have to spend too much time on this one, but we talked about this one a few episodes ago. Misfits of Science. Yeah, we did. And I'm, I'm bringing this up, in the very least, to, tr- to uh, test you again, to see yeah. if you remember what you learned on that episode. Oh, you know I don't remember okay. what I learned, but I know there was somebody super famous on that right. show. Okay, right, right, right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. one interesting thing about the show, before we get to that, is the... the According to the head writer of the show, this the opening credits were controversial. If you watched it now, you wouldn't think so. But the reason why he says that is they show a man, or you know, the legs of a person, presumably a man, watching their the show. I guess on an old television set, you see a a singer um, singing a. I think it's Bobby Short singing a sort of a jazzy rendition of the theme, mm-hmm. Misfits of Science, and this guy is banging on his TV. He's trying to turn it off, and he can't. So then he just kicks over the television. And it cuts to the real opening. Oh, the networks apparently the network apparently hated this and didn't want them to produce it and refused to give them money to make that opening. And they found the money to do it anyway. The show was about a about super powered humans, kind of like the X Men, and they and they would go around, you know, obviously foiling bad guys, uh, and included a bunch of people, some with no no human abilities other than being super geniuses, and some folks with again mutant like abilities, including. One actor who would go on to star in Friends. Yeah, that's, uh, what is that, Courtney Cox? Ah, you got it this time. Yes, okay, very good, yes. And Courtney Cox, she started as a, her character was a telekinetic teen who could only use her telekinesis on things she, she would, could see. Yeah, wow. Well. So her, her nemesis, a blindfold, then she was normal. <laughs> <laughs> it also included Kevin Peter Hall, who's the guy who, you know, we talked about this before. He played the Predator. He played uh, Harry and Harry and Henderson's. Mm-hmm. He's a guy who was, you know, I think over seven feet tall, seven four, and he could shrink to 11 inches. And a number of other folks. Um, there was one character, and we talked about this when we talked about Max Wright having passed away, because he was on it playing the director of their institute, which was known as Humanidine. Humanidine. Um, there was another character on the show, only in the first episode, because he had freeze powers. And uh, because he had these freeze powers, they had to drive around in an ice cream truck. So that was their sort of A-team van, was an ice cream truck. That was uh, a good idea right there. Yeah, because it's kind of like, uh, what, uh, Killer Clowns or well, something? Well, no, just who doesn't love the ice cream man? Yeah, that's true. Although it's kind of a really terrible disguise for a bunch of superheroes, because kids will be w- trying to hail that thing down wherever they go. Yeah. Maybe that played into the show. But they had this character, Iceman, who they got to have this ice cream truck. But Iceman only appears in the first episode because Marvel had a similarly named, or identically named, X-Men character named Iceman. And they didn't like it. Yeah, well, you're going to have that. So they got rid of him, but they kept the ice cream truck. Why didn't they just change his name to Ice Cream Man? <laughs> yeah, let me think. Hmm. Yeah, that would have been good. Because they're not as smart as we are? Yeah, because you know what? I don't think the other, I'm looking at this, I don't think the other people had any cool names anyway. One guy who had electrical powers, he was a rock and roll musician. This could have happened to you. A rock, mu- rock and roll musician who was electrocuted on stage. This is, nice. makes me think of what you were telling me before the show. They you could have been easily electrocuted on stage. Oh, many times. But he got powers. What's his name? Johnny B. See, if I did that, my name would be Shock Me. Shock Me. All right. The, the Ace Fraley song. Shock, oh, okay. And we could do like a kind of a version of it as your mm-hmm. theme song. I'd, have, I'd, just, I'd just have Ace Fraley makeup and the whole yeah. outfit. Well, we had and to <laughs> modify it just ever so slightly to yeah. avoid a... Co- otherwise, you're only in the first episode. Well, uh, there's no such thing as bad publicity as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, but you're off the show. That's like the worst publicity, I guess. 
Okay, well then I would change his name to Shock You. No, I think the Shock Me is okay. I think it's the Ace Frehley makeup that. Uh, <laughs> oh, you think the full <laughs> outfit is the that's problem? That's the problem. Yes, uh, that's a trademark issue, no doubt. Mm. And that's we'll also have to change the theme just a little bit too. Oh, you mean like play the song backwards? <laughs> no, <laughs> something like that. So which which one was Ace? He was Starman. No, Catman. <laughs> Spaceman. Spaceman. All right, so I was. I had the right makeup. Damn it, I just, Will! You're <laughs> killing me. I I called Ace Freely by a David Bowie song. You're killing me. So you know what you need, you need is like two stars. <laughs> then you're fine. Or do half and half of yeah of like the characters. Oh yeah, half cat, yeah. half star. <laughs> Whiskers over a star face. Uh, this show aired from uh, October of 1985 to May of 1986. It was canceled after one season, 16 episodes. Due to poor ratings, it was running up against Dallas. Yeah, that's not a good thing. Yeah. And you're going to hear this happens uh, more than once in our short story here. But, but I'll tell you right now, yep. I did not like Dallas because I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was probably watching this you definitely over Dallas. This. I remember the show. I loved the show. And uh, you would have been watching the show. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. I do not remember anything about this mm. show. But if given those two choices, I'm watching that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Dallas was uh, something for our parents or grandparents, I guess. And this this was uh, one that George Krupski mentioned on Facebook that he misses. Huh. So here is a show that I'm going to play another clip for you here, and tell me if you if you remember this show. Doctor Jonathan Chase, wealthy, young, handsome, a man with the brightest of futures. I do like a man that intro. With the darkest of past. <laughs> Now, I'll tell you right now, if I was writing an intro... Yeah, that's that, how it's going to start. That's exactly what I would have wrote. <laughs> you know, I don't doubt it. And I, all of these show openings, I love them. They're so... Yeah. They're like what we talked about our opening would be if our show was, you know, just like a little mm-hmm. montage of doing different things. Yeah. I know you only had us running, <laughs> which I think is funny. But they're just... They look so, I don't know, cheesy in like the best possible way. Yeah, I like that intro a lot, but I have no idea what it's from. Okay, that is the show Manimal. Oh, the Manimal. Do you remember the show Manimal? I do remember the Manimal. Yeah. So this show is, the premise of the show is Dr. Jonathan Chase, as you hear, as you heard on the intro there, he's a shape-shifting man who can turn into himself to any animal he chooses. But he was also good-looking. Yes. Um, had money. What was the other thing they said? Uh, and young. Yeah, ha- yes. Handsome, yes. handsome, young, handsome wealth, and yeah. rich. Yes. And he uses these ability and British in an English <laughs> accent too. He uses these abilities to help the police, a police detective, Brooke McKenzie, uh, to solve crimes. And only two people know his secret: Brooke and his friend John, John, uh, uh, Ty, uh, uh, Ty Earl. This is like a, a Super Friends, uh, mm-hmm. Zan and Jaina, Zane and, w- without Zane the dumb Zane water one. Yeah, yeah, because uh, in a sense, because so he could turn into any animal he wants. <laughs> I wonder if that was the premise of this show, entire show. What if we took the Wonder Twins and got rid of the crappy Wonder Twin? Uh huh. Yeah. And, and just took the water guy and said, like, um, yeah, we're just going to get rid of the water guy. Yeah. And do the one that can turn into yeah, cool stuff. She was the coolest one. Yeah. yeah. Turning into animals. Now, probably because of budget reasons, even though he could change into anything, he mostly only ever turned into two animals <laughs> a hawk and a black panther. Nice. And nearly every episode, that's what he would be. He could also tr- transform into some other animals. And there were, occasionally he was a horse, a dolphin, uh, a bear, a bull. But um, oftentimes what they did was uh, had him transform off screen. Well, it's much easier if you walk off screen yeah. and come back as a monkey. <laughs> I was like, 
I'll be right back. You know what we could use for the situation? A monkey. I'll be right back. Yes. Where's he going? And then, ooh, ha-ha, he comes right back. Yeah. Stan Winston created the special effects, though, that did show the transformations those times that they did um, have it. Um, and also probably a budget-saving move. Sometimes he would just have the traits of an animal without actually becoming it. So, <laughs> he's like, trust me, I'm he's, a puma on the inside. He's standing there with a banana. <laughs> <laughs> the traits of a monkey. <laughs> It's like the least frac- the least practical thing of a monkey. <laughs> hey, hey, Jonathan, aren't you going to change? You, 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 don't you notice the banana? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's just peeling the banana. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm, I'm in my form here. Now, this the the cast of this included folks that we know some, from some other things. So, playing the lead uh, character, Jonathan Chase was an actor named Simon McC- McCorkendale. Simon McCorkendale was the lead guy. Or was it the lead guy? He was certainly one of the main characters in The Sword and the Sorcerer. Do you remember that yeah, one? Yeah. yeah. So he was that. in that. So you'll, you'd recognize him. And uh, playing the, the police detective, Brooke McKenzie, was Melody Anderson. She was in Flash Gordon with oh, Sam okay. Jones. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. she's the lead in that. Um, this show uh, first aired as a 90-minute pilot in September of 1983. And it was in one hour. Uh, it was continued as a one-hour series uh, after that. It went on hiatus after just four episodes, <laughs> and production of the show just stopped at that time. It came back to uh, on the air about a month later. It aired the three reigning episodes, and then the show was officially canceled because the ratings were um, poor. And can you guess what popular show it was up against? Uh, Dallas. Dallas. Yes, you're right. Dallas. Uh, so Dallas again. Dallas sh- is a show killer. Yes. We're just learning that, um, you know, our childhood, some of our childhood memories were destroyed by Dallas. Dallas is uh, an awful show. So um, there was a number of other shows that were part of this uh, fall lineup in 83, by the way, that were just... Uh, when are you going to get to the ones I really enjoyed? I don't think I ever canceled. am. Do you want to talk about it now? Let me just yeah. mention one more thing about Manimal first. Okay. This was also one of the shows that was created by one of those two guys that I mentioned early on. This one was created by Glenn Larson. A little bit about Glenn Larson is he also created Battlestar Galactica, Buck Rogers, um, the Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew Mysteries. Remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Um, BJ and the Bear. Oh, great show. The Fall Guy. Excellent. Magnum P.I., Knight Rider. Wow, that guy's got a, a list of uh, accomplishments that would make anyone's mama proud. Right? I mean, we didn't realize, but um, this one person was responsible for a lot of the shows we loved and yeah. acted out uh, as kids. Um, there was a, a, a reboot plan in tw- uh, 2014 with uh, Will Ferrell and Anna McKay's company set to produce it. <laughs> it's probably going to be silly, I'm sure. Um, but uh, and Glenn, Glenn Larson was supposed to be involved in it, but um, Glenn Larson passed away later that year. <laughs> what is it with you and the, the bad news? I tell all the news. <laughs> I don't hold back on any of the news. Um, one of the things, uh, one final thing that's interesting about, about this that I didn't know at the time was that, um, so Glenn Larson, he did a sort of a shared universe thing. And some of these other guys did too. Um, the, the other guy I mentioned before earlier, James Perriott would, uh, a lot of their shows would be somehow related or inspired by, or some characters would cross over. So in 1998, Glenn Larson produced a show called, and created a show called Nightman. And mm. lo and behold, Manimal was on that episode, an episode ah, of it. I don't, I don't remember that. Yeah, me neither. I think that I would have gotten all jazzed up about it. So what show, what show do you wish would come uh, back? Square Pegs. Square Pegs. Very good. Uh, when I was a kid, I loved that mm-hmm. show. Yeah. The music was awesome. The characters mm-hmm. were great. And uh, I didn't remember until I looked it up, Bill Murray was on that show. Oh, yes. He, he did was a guest a, appearance. Yeah, it was like the first episode, maybe? I don't think it was the first one, mm-hmm. but he was, he was on there. But that was such a good show. 
And was he I, a teacher I, on the show? I think he was a, a teacher yeah, for. I can't, I can't um, remember. Yeah. That, yeah, but um, that's one that really got a raw deal. Yeah, because that one could have been so good if they just left it on the air. Yeah, and I think I, I think that that's not one of the shows I was prepared to talk about. But why um, not? Because well, we, we only we're have... talking about the goddamn manimal when Square <laughs> Pegs is on the table. Because we have like a million shows that we could talk about. But I will mention that Square Pegs, I do recall, was one of these 1982, 83 sh- shows that was canceled um, uh, one season in. Yeah. And, and do you remember who the main character was? Uh, the actress, you mean? Yeah. Of course. It was Sarah Jessica Parker. So how is this one not on the list of shows to talk about? There it is. It is now. All right. Well, only because I... I crowbarred it in there. I was going to surprise you by letting you talk. Nah, I don't want to talk. Yeah. You just make me feel bad because you're just going to bring up something horrible about the cast. Yeah. No, yes. A murderer yeah. or is good. You know, we've talked about it a few times about mm-hmm. um, different performances that they, uh, they play amazing music. Yeah, yeah, that show did. The music on that show is amazing. But, um, um, yeah, in the premiere episode, you had the waitresses were performing. Yes. And then they came back later. And, yeah. You know, because they, they also do the theme song, right? Yes. Right. So in the episode, they did their uh, I Know What Boys Like. Yeah, they also did Christmas wrappings on the show. Oh, they did? Yeah. Oh, wow. So maybe they even came back. I, I do know some things. Yeah. Um, but the other... Oh, you, you know what? I do remember also. Now, I researched Square Pegs. I, yeah. I just, really, just because of time, I said, you know, I got to sort of cut some of these things. And I thought Square Pegs is a and little more... Square Pegs is the one you want to cut? Well, it's a little more well-known, I think. So I was trying to go with ones that are maybe a little more like, oh, yeah, I remember that now. Yeah. Um, but Square Pegs, one of the reasons that the creators said it was canceled was because they had a problem with the teenagers on the show. That they were 26 years old? <laughs> no, they were actually were pretty young. I think they were, uh-huh. I don't think anybody was even 18. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe one or two of the guys were in the later teens or early 20s. But there was a lot, apparently rampant drug use. Ooh, fancy. Um, and other things that they couldn't control. And they, they were sort of, they were getting, uh, you know, uh, challenges from different, I think, organizations because of the, um, you know, not being able to, uh, I guess, take better care of their young stars. I think they did a fantastic job. <laughs> well, you know what? I was going to say they're all still alive, except Which one? one of them isn't. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Look, you led me here. You led me down this path. It's not me. It's your own fault. No, so you don't remember. I didn't huh? take you down that road. Okay, so actor Merritt, I don't know how to say his name, Merritt Butrick or Buttrick. He was, uh, not only was in well, Square Pegs, but he was... Lucky for you, he's dead, so he can't complain. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Wait, now who's laughing now? I'm not, oh, laughing. not laughing. You're right, you said a serious... That was just an that observation. That was my serious face. Yeah, right. So he, um, if you recall, he was also in Star Trek, mm-hmm. two Star Trek movies, Star Trek II, Rathacon, and Star Trek Three: Search mm-hmm. for Spock. Probably died in those, huh? He played... Well, he did, actually. His character yeah. died, yeah. His character did die in uh, Search for Spock. Um, he played Shatner's un, his estranged son. Well, Shatner didn't know he had a son, and then he meets him. And wow. Spoiler. I'm pretty sure Shatner knows he has multiple sons <laughs> oh, and daughters. Oh, you're right. I, should I said Kirk? Or I say, well, Kirk. Yes, yeah. I said Shatner's son, but yes, Kirk's son. I don't know about Shatner's love life, but um, yes, uh, Buttrick or Butrick died uh, of uh, a complication of AIDS. In uh, 1989, at yeah. the age of 29. Huh. Your stories are so lovely. When you you took, told them. I didn't want this. Is why, this is why I didn't want to bring up Square Pegs because I didn't want to make you sad because I know you <laughs> love that actor. Um, well, anyways, you know what the other show I really liked was that got canceled early. Hmm. Slap Maxwell. I remember it by name, and that's it. It's Dabney Coleman. Oh, okay. Yes, 
what was he? This is he's uh, like a sports writer, yes. or something. Well, wait, Buffalo Bill was wasn't he? A no, Buffalo, Buffalo Bill? yeah, Buffalo Bill's a different. No, but wasn't he a sports writer in that? I think so. Well, I think he was. He was a reporter of some kind. He's a reporter in both of them because he's good at that role. He wore a hat in Slap Maxwell, didn't yes. he? <laughs> like a that's old, a difference. Like with a press thing in it or yeah. something. Yeah. He, he, yes. Slap Maxwell was amazing because it's Dabney Coleman, and um, if you're going to have a, a TV show in the '80s, you should have him in it. Yeah. See, this says yeah. He has the hat on. I see the picture. Yeah, he was an. It says egocentric sports writer for yeah, a newspaper called there you The go. I do remember this one. This that's was a, later in the eighties. Yeah. That's a great show, though. Yeah, that, that should have never got canceled. That should still be on the air today. It's, it's uh, one season canceled after twenty two episodes. Yeah, that's a that's a travid, travesty. Yes, mm-hmm. that is justice gone wrong. There should be cries and outpours from America for this one. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, so that show was in um, 87, 89. So now I've got to look up though, because uh, and, and Buffalo Bill was in earlier. It was earlier. Oh yeah, Buffalo Bill's way earlier. So that's 83, 84. Yeah, this is one of the ones, uh, other mm-hmm. one I considered. Yeah. Um, I just want, this one says he plays it, oh, an egotistical talk show host. Okay, so I can I confabulated the two yes. together. So um, yes, I remember Slap Maxwell. Yeah, that's a great show. I love that show. I may have liked that one better than Buffalo Bill, actually. I'm 100% sure I liked it better. Yeah, although I, I liked Gina Davis on Buffalo Bill. Wow. If you're, yeah, if you're going to go with female lead, yeah, she's way better. More memorable. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. They should have brought her back for Slap Maxwell. Yeah. They should have just recast her. Yeah. Because that would have been awesome. You know, I didn't, well, um, talking about letter, writing letters. So uh, well, one thing I learned in looking at these TV shows was that letter writing campaigns weren't that common back then. Now, you know, we've got uh, people start up, uh, what is that site they go to? Change.org petition. Yeah, you go to to change.org and you go, hey, Slap Mackwell's a racist. (laughs) Let's cancel his show. Well, I was going to say the opposite. Or say, like they say Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Remember, that was was getting canceled. Well, I'm just saying, though, they they can make up anything they want. Yes, and it goes either way. Um, Nowadays, it's more, it's easier to do that. It's more popular to try to save shows. In the last couple decades, it's been like that. But in the 80s, it wasn't. But you remind me with Glenn Larson, and remember Battlestar Galactica, another Mm -hmm. show that was canceled, uh, that started in the late 70s. I think it, yeah, the final thing was, I think, in 79, or no, 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 it ended in 80. The last thing was in 80. Um, But the reason why, so, and this is a show I just wanted to mention in passing, was I loved Battlestar Galactica as a kid. I didn't realize it only ran for one season before being canceled. And then, uh, 78 through 79. And then because of a letter writing campaign, uh, the network asked Glenn Larson, who created it, can you create another Battlestar Galactica? And so he created a show that no one remembers but me, <laughs> Galactica 1980. Yeah, I don't remember that one. I won't go too far into it, except to say that it set place on our modern day Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and they couldn't get Dirk Benedict or... Um, the other gentleman who can remember his name offhand, who played the main two characters in Battlestar Galactica. Um, it'll come to me too late. Yeah, you're pushing my memory with yeah. that. But, oh, oh, Richard Hatch. Um, they decided not to come back. But the, one of the coolest things I loved about that show, I think, you know, we'll save it for our vehicle show that we're going to talk about soon. But um, when they came to Earth, they drove around on the coolest motorcycles. I'll say that. That's how it sticks with me. I don't uh, remember anything else about that show. But anyway, it was saved by a letter writing campaign. And that show was canceled, I think, before the first season even ended. If we tried to start a so, letter writing campaign right now, yeah. it would fail miserably. For for what? What are we doing? I don't know. Let's save a show. Oh, okay. Well, we got to from the eighties, like bring back a certain show. No, let's save a show like right now. What's it? What's a 
on the edge of getting canceled. Hmm. I don't know. Let's just pick a show that's not on the edge of getting canceled and just start writing letters. So you would be against like picking an 80s show and saying, let's bring back an 80s show? Um, what if we could do it with the original actors hmm. somehow playing a role? Okay, Dabney Coleman's okay. probably too old to do slapbacks on that. <laughs> well, I doubt that. I he's mean, still around, though. I've, he was on that. Remember, he's on Boardwalk Empire playing the. Yes, unlike you. He's awesome on that. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm pretty sure he's not dead yet. I know you wish he was, so you I'm, could bring it up. <laughs> but uh, I love Dabney Coleman. Yeah, Dabney Coleman. I hope he's awesome. a nice person. <laughs> he's probably not, but but he's a great actor, and I'm sure there are people who love him. Yeah. What do you mean in real life? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Everybody's got somebody who loves him. I see. He's not so awful that he's not loved. Right. All right, yeah, let's think about that. Let's yeah. think of a show we can save. Let's see. What do we want to say? I prefer it being an mm. 80s type thing, you know, just for branding. Yeah. But, What's a show we want? You know, I'm stuck on Square Pegs. I really want that to come back. All right, enough about Square Pegs. Square Pegs is awesome. Uh, you managed to turn this into an episode about Square Pegs. All right, see if you can recognize this introduction right. from another 80s show that went, it was just gone too soon. Is this a prequel to Mr. Belvedere? Oh, it's not. It definitely isn't. <laughs> Is that how the theme song was? For it sounds very that. similar okay. to me. Yeah. So, of course, of course, you recognize that as the first movement of Mozart's Piano Concerto Number Twenty One. Oh, of course, and, I do. And realize that was in the key of C major. That is the theme song for Wiz Kids. Oh, Wiz Kids. I kind of remember that show? vaguely remember that, yeah. Yeah. So another thing I noticed about these intros to these shows, super long. Yeah, well. I mean, like, uh, most of them are at least a minute. Well, once again, if your show is 25 minutes and your intro song is five minutes, yeah. there's a lot less content you have to write. That's true. That's, yeah, and if you break down the cost by minute, that's probably a huge savings. Right, and if you look at our show, our intro is really long. So. <laughs> that's right, because we, yes, right, okay. Um, so uh, the premise of WizKids is four high school 10th graders use their sophisticated knowledge of computers to become amateur detectives, solving crimes and bringing perpetrators to justice. They're basically hackers mm-hmm. and doing, you know, all types of things like this. So this is so, a movie that came out in the era of uh, uh, war games and some other, oh, you know, that makes similar... Uh, Films like that. It starred, and here's where I'm going to just not get uh, names right again. You know, uh, you should really uh, like Google search the names. I, so you I can did. Practice I did them. all that. It didn't help. So Matthew, should I just show you? Want to see what it does? Yeah, let me see. Let me see the names. Here. Let me see the names under here. the cast there. That first one. Uh, it's got an X in it. Uh, that's going to be Matthew Laberto. All right, look at you go, Max Gale. Yeah, and A Martinez. Yeah. There you go. All right, so there you go. So Matthew Labertel, he um, he was Albert on uh, Little House on the Prairie. If you watch that show, mm-hmm. um, Max Gale was on uh, Barney Miller. He was uh, I Lo- love Barney Miller. Lojo. Yeah, I love that show. That was Max Gale. That's one I would like to bring back. Okay, love Barney Miller. Hey, police, you know, police uh, dramedies or comedies. Mm-hmm. They're, yeah, they're timeless. You could have that anytime. Um, and A Martinez, um, who was in a number of things, um, I always remembered him because his name was A. It's just a vowel. <laughs> what a lazy mother. I know how easy it is to just write your name out. This show aired from uh, October 83 to June of 1984. It lasted just one season, uh, only 18 episodes. It was ranked, of, so of 1983 shows, it was ranked 81st on the top 100 shows. That's not good. Uh, on the Nielsen ratings that year. So yeah, it was canceled pretty quickly. The, the creator of the show, Philip, De, here's another name, Deguerre, 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 Deguerre. 
says he conceived of the show actually before War Games had been released, but um, since War Games, once War Games came out, it was easy to get it uh, done. They actually used real computer equipment from the 70s and 80s as the props uh, and just enhanced stuff with special effects. Um, they actually worked with technical directors to make what the kids did, you know, realistic and even said that they sort of um, did things that were a little ahead of their time, like they were, you know, technology the kids could conceive of. It was really interesting to me to realize or, or read that some of the activities they did back in 1980, uh, what was it, 83, did I say 83, were things that we know about now as sort of commonplace. Back then, we wouldn't, they wouldn't have been familiar to us, like brute force password cracking, denial of service attacks, facial recognition, speech, speech recognition, image enhancement, social engineering, even computer dating. Well, all science fiction uh, creates the products that we use. Yeah. I mean, that's typical. Right. Cell phones and Star Trek. Right. That kind of thing. So they were just ahead of the curve and doing their, uh, you know, their due diligence. Yeah. This show um, had a controversy before it was even started uh, when some, they screened it for some critics and, and critics said that, had a problem with it because they said it was a show about kids uh, obtaining things through illegal means. Uh, one critic wrote, quote, and this is Fred Rothenberg of the Associated Press wrote at the time, WizKids does not make a whimper on the sex and violence scale, yet it may be more dangerous to children than anything on television. Well, that guy's a moron. Yeah. So this, the, as a result of this controversy, they had to tweak it. They had to make it clear that the kids were doing stuff, doing it legally. They added the Max Gale and A. Martinez characters after the fact oh. to um, have adults and have a police presence that could be like the moral compass of the mm-hmm. kids yeah. uh, and to help the kids get stuff that they otherwise wouldn't be able to get through legal means. This is another show that had a shared universe because the guy who created this, that Philip uh, Deguerre, 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 mm-hmm. Deguerre. Uh, also created Simon and Simon, and so the Whiz Kids huh. appear on an episode of that. Help oh, them, nice. Help the Simon boys. Yeah, because Simon and Simon really need children to help them. All right, so here's another one. I don't have any more clips for you, but I'm I'm gonna uh, tell you this uh, p- premise here. This is well, the name of the show is in the premise, so I can't really hide that for you. Okay. The, this is the premise of Auto Man. Auto Man. Do you remember Auto Man? I remember Auto Man. Yes. Now I thought Auto Man when I was trying to. I remember the show, but I didn't remember much about it. When thinking about the name of it, I thought, well, it refers to a man who could turn into a car. Right. That's wrong. So Auto Man as an automatic man, it's, it's, even more, it's even weirder than a guy could turn into a car. Um, this is the adventures of a police officer who's also a computer programmer. Um, he creates an artificial intelligence, crime-fighting program that can leave the computer world, you know, through a hologram that's, you know, able to interact with us um, and fight crime at night. Yep. So, <laughs> yeah. Hey, <laughs> 1980s, of course. Yeah, why wouldn't that be possible? Yeah. Uh, and when while he was in the, when he's in the real world, Auto Man poses as a government. He would pose as a government agent named first name Otto. Otto. Mm-hmm. Last name Graham. Man. Oh man, <laughs> you're too clever. <laughs> no, he was just straight up Auto Man, but he spelled man with two ends. Oh, that that's much better than what I thought. He could also he, so he had a number of different things he could do, including wrap himself around Walter, his computer programmer. So mm-hmm. they would become sort of one. He would Walter would be inside of him, but safe. Because Automan, among his many abilities, was invulnerability. Nice. Um, they created the Automan effect by um, on the guy would wear like a skin tight sort of bodysuit, like a, a navy blue bodysuit, and they had attached to it different pieces of uh, projector fabric, a projector screen fabric, uh, which was a technique they also used first, as far as I know, in Superman 1978, Christopher Reeve Superman, to make the uh, you know when they're on Krypton mm-hmm. to make Marlon Brando and their clothes glow. They had them dressed in projector screens, <laughs> and they would shine a light on it. And through the camera, it would just seem like a, a tremendous glow because of how screens are created. You know, they have glass or something, something reflective inside them. 
Um, he also had a uh, cursor was also his sidekick and cursor, which was a, a floating polyhedral shape mm-hmm. could draw physical objects. The most common thing he would draw was a car, the auto car. Oh, that's where is, the car comes yes. from. Yes. But he could also do an airplane, a helicopter, and all of them had special powers and could just defy the laws of physics. Mm-hmm. The, the computer programmer was played by Desi Arnaz Jr. Nice. Uh, you remember him, and he was in a number of, of course, mm-hmm. he has famous parents, but he was in a number of yeah. things, too, that we had as our kids. And Auto Man h- himself was played by Chuck Wagner. Oh, yeah, Chuck Wagner. This, so this show aired for 12 episodes, although 13 were made. This was on ABC from 83 to 84. So in that time, most shows that were ranked 60 or below uh, on the Nielsen Top 100 were canceled. Right, because uh, there's only three networks. Yeah, right. That's that 33 and a third type thing. Yep. You're about. So although he was a computer-generated uh, you know, hologram, just like uh, Phineas Bogg and just like <laughs> Captain Kirk, this dude liked to get down with the ladies. Well, most of these old shows, right. that's how it was. I mean, it's a different time, different era. A lot of testosterone, unchecked testosterone in the yeah. 1980s. When you got chest hair and the shirt unbuttoned, right. I mean, things are going to happen. Legal things with consent. Right. Just to be clear. So he, there was a number of guest stars on the show, including Laura Branigan, Delta Burke, and Michelle Phillips, that uh, Auto Man got to, you know, smooch with. And uh, nice. whenever he would kiss a human, there would be like this electric sort of charge. Ah, nice. And they would die. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. He was sad. He wanted the love, but he couldn't. Uh, without murdering someone. So once again, this show was created by Glenn Larson. He's a genius. Yeah, I mean, geez, Louise, this guy, again, all these shows that we love. Well, yeah, all these shows we love and Auto Man. And Auto Man, yes. So, okay, do you remember, um, let me set a thing for you, an adventurer wearing a leather jacket, adventuring in the jungle. It's 1938. He's looking for lost treasure. Can you name that character? No, I can't, because the only character I know that did that was Indiana Jones. Right, but you're wrong. He's not a TV character. You're right. He's not. So, no. But what we did have, though, similarly, is Tales of the Gold Monkey. You remember that show? No, I don't. So, it's... It's very Indiana Jones-like. It feels like an old serial from the 1930s, I guess. Or was it 1930s, 40s? What's his name? Cleveland Smith? His name is Jake Cutter. Ah, good name. In any case, there you go. I hadn't said it in like in half an hour. But um, <laughs> this, this TV show was set in 1938 in South Pacific. So it's 1938. Again, it's the same era as Indiana Jones. And it's about a, a, an ex-flying Tigers pilot named Jake Cutter. Now he operates an uh, air cargo delivery service. Uh, on a fictional island, and has a love interest who is a U.S. spy. So, of course, they're getting into all sorts of mm. adventure. Uh, the title of the show, Tales of the Gold Monkey, is derived from a mythical golden statue that's the focal pop point of the pilot episode. So in the, in the pilot episode, they can't find it, and then they wind up settling for this imitation brass monkey. And um, Brass monkey? Well, yeah. Yes. gets a little funnier than that, even. Um, as the episode ends, they show us, the viewer that the giant, there is actually is a giant gold monkey, like below the island, and yeah. they just, you know, missed it because it's, it's been uh, covered with, you know, plant life, et cetera, vegetation. Um, speaking of Brass Monkey, though, the, the TV show was originally going to be called Tales of the Brass Monkey. See, I probably would have seen it then. <laughs> no, you wouldn't have because this show aired uh, in 80, uh, let's see, it was the early 80s here, uh, 1982 to 1983. Hmm. So this is a good, you know, what... Uh, Four or five years, three or four years, three or four years before um, you would have known about Brass Monkey. But the show was going to be called Tales from the Brass Monkey, but it turns out another company was running advertisements with, I think it was a fictional bar called Brass Monkey. So See, that makes, it. makes perfect sense. It would have been more interesting to you, maybe. Mm-hmm. 
Um, although the series was inspired by a 1939 film, Only Angels Have Wings, it, the, the creators say they pitched it before Indiana Jones, but it was greenlit after Indiana Jones. Wow, uh, that sucks for them. Yeah. yeah, that sucks bad for them. Well, Raiders of the Lost Ark had them help them get get this on the air because when that was huge, then they said, "Yeah, well, no, you could do let's do Tales of the Gold Monkey." Hmm. Uh, it starred Stephen Collins as Cutter, Caitlin O'Heaney as the spy, and and Ronnie McDowell. You'll know Ronnie McDowell, yes, of course. Sir. He wasn't in the pilot, but he he played a character who was in the pilot. He played him throughout the rest of the the run of the show. Nice. Stephen Collins is not without his own controversy. He's another guy who he was in so many what things hell, in our man? youth that he's still alive. Oh, okay. but he may you may wish he was dead <laughs> because he was in a lot of things when we were kids. You'll recognize him yeah. you know, instantly, and then he was in things later in, in the '90s and so on and so forth. And then in our, I think it was 2014, you know, 2012, 2014, he was uh, accused and then admitted to uh, having sex with underage girls. Well, nothing good happens to people after 1989. Well. The first woman who accused him, it happened like in 1973. Nothing good happens to anybody <laughs> before 1980. <laughs> <laughs> I love how the goal just shifts. Um, but, but, but look, this was a show, we love the show long before we do about his dark past and dark mm-hmm. future, because maybe some of them happened after the 80s too. Uh, I don't know. But um, it was a generally, generally it was a re- re- well-received show, but it ranked 69 in the Nielsen's top a hundred, and so you know what that means. And ergo, yeah. you're gone. Yeah, the the ratings were not good enough to justify the cost mm. of, the, of the show, which you know aimed to be like a Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, I have to thing. check that one out. Now, this show, this is uh, another name I just want to mention, and then we can wrap this up. Don, this was created by Donald Belisario. He went on to create Airwolf and Quantum Leap. Ah, he was on a run, and he co-created Magnum PI with Glenn Larson. Nice. There you go. Beautiful. Yeah. And before we wrap up, I want to make sure we thank everybody who. Uh, suggested a canceled TV show to us on Facebook. Uh, there's plenty of shows out there yep. uh, that folks loved in the 1980s that uh, went away too soon. Uh, but special thanks uh, also goes out to uh, Jamie Robinson, William Crow, John Jazz, and James Bugai. I'm going to say Bugai, James. You can let us know if that's wrong. Uh, anyway, thanks to those uh, folks for chiming in. <sighs> I guess what we proved, I'm not going to, what, what we proved today. Yeah. Is even if we're doing a show late, or no, if we're doing a show late at night, it seems to be even longer than it really was. Now this show was long, and it seemed it feels longer. Well, we have proven. Oh, oh no, you, you don't even get it. Respond. Beyond a shadow of a doubt that mm-hmm. when we record yeah. after four p.m., yes, Will <laughs> needs a nap. No, <laughs> I did have a nap. I, I uh, <laughs> no, we have proven beyond a shadow of a doubt. That shows canceled in the 80s prematurely deserve mm-hmm. a second chance. Yes. And we'll find one and try to save it. Yes. Or something. Square pegs. Okay. And we'll talk to you next time on The 80s. See ya. See ya.